I think the word has to be surrender. Yes. Surrender. Let it go. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, changemaker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. All right, welcome everyone. I'm here with Danuka Ranasinghe. Hey, I know how to say your name. Oh, it was so cool. That was so Ranasinghe. Ranasinghe. Ah, I was so Ranasinghe. proud of myself. Ranasinghe. I really am disappointed because I was so proud of myself for knowing how to say your name. Okay. That's so funny. And we've been talking for 30 minutes before this and you never asked. <laughs> I know. Oh, this happens every single time. As soon as I hit record, <laughs> I don't ask and then I mispronounce it a little bit. Okay. I'm not terrible, but I'm not great. Anyway, it's great to have you and we're gonna have a great conversation. And I wanted to, I always start by asking, it's 3.33, so this is a beautiful moment. I always start by asking people to share a little bit about themselves and um, rather than me reading the bio. So would you take a moment to share a little about yourself so that my audience can get to know you better? Absolutely. First of all, my name is pronounced Ranasinghe. Okay. Let's Did I not say that? <laughs> she's also my cheeky sister. That's what we've decided. Oh, so right. I told her if she gets to be a cheeky sister, she's in the highest light. So this is <laughs> super fun. <laughs> okay, excellent. Um, so I am originally Sri Lankan, um, born in England, grew up in Hong Kong, mm. lived um, in Sri Lanka in between, back and forth. So I've had a, a mixture of identities and cultures and all of that. Um, but that's not what I am, you see? This is how we came to the consciousness, right? No label. Um, But it's definitely helped me grow and see so many different perspectives. Um, I am now, I'll work backwards actually, I am a conscious parenting coach Mm -hmm. um, trained by Dr. Shafali in her institute. Mm -hmm. I am also a owner of a preschool in Long Beach, California called KidWorks Children's Center. Um, So we work with children ages three to five. Um, I am also an emotion code energy healer. And I am a mom of two boys, 11 and nine. but I started off as a lawyer. I, I qualified in um, New York as, a, yeah, as an attorney in 2008. And so oh. I was working as a legal recruiter just after I had um, passed the bar when I moved here to California. And I decided there's no way I'm taking another bar exam, um, especially not California. Yeah, I've heard it's a really terrible one. Or brutal, brutal. But it teaches you so much. Other than the law and the theory, you learn so much about yourself. So everything is a learning process, right? Um, But we fall into that matrix of, oh, jobs are professions and professions Mm -hmm. need to be doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant. 
this mm-hmm, is like mm-hmm. kind of the the belief system is in culture yeah. Yeah. um but honestly I did feel that I had an interest but I was also labeled the argumentative one in the family and that <laughs> <your lawyer. laughs> the cheeky one as you know David. <laughs> I, yeah um, I see that <laughs> so with that said I did fall into doing law but mm-hmm. there was a part of me that just couldn't go any further mm. I was stuck I was dead I mm. was beat yeah and I remember I read the book by Robin Sharma, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Have you ever read mm, that one? No. Oh, it's so good. I recommend that to anybody. Okay. So after reading that book, I woke up one morning, I put the book on my bedside table and I went, that's it. I'm buying a preschool. <laughs> I am buying a preschool. No experience in early childhood development. I loved children. Yes. I had worked with um, families or my husband's family that owns lots of Montessori's in in California. So I would go visit them. I would spend time with them. I would volunteer to read books with children. So it was just, it was an interest and a passion I had. Yeah. Who knew that this was what I would end up buying the business? Yeah. I mean, really? So um, I did. I looked for a school, walked into a school January 2nd. Mm-hmm. By March 17th, I was working there. We had both wow. done all the paperwork. So I was working two jobs at the same time, doing the mm-hmm. legal recruiting as well as uh, okay. school. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about owning a business. <laughs> I knew nothing about early childhood development, apart from doing some early childhood units, right? Mm-hmm. Early education mm-hmm. units. Um, but nothing could stop me. It was like this fire underneath yes. me that just kept burning. Nothing was going to make me turn back. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember feeling any fear at that point, to be honest. Mm. Yep. Um, and it was just one step in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The obstacle I did face was when I was there, feeling unworthy of being there because I didn't have the experience. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And yet mm-hmm. I was the owner. So how am I supposed <laughs> to know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without knowing. Mm-hmm. But now, so I've been on this journey for 12, 13 years now. Mm-hmm. And throughout this journey, I have learned so much, so much from mm-hmm. the teachers, so much from the parents, but most of all from the children. Mm-hmm which is what then led me into conscious parenting because I see behaviors and um, attitudes of children directly related to how the parents were behaving and it affecting them in school. Yet at school, they were a completely different personality. And we know that we know that our children behave very differently. Right. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that wasn't surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were so many links and um, so many observations I could make that then made me realize that, oh my gosh, all of this basically comes back down to connection. Yes. It was so simple. Mm. It seems so simple. Right, right. But it really isn't. The concept is so simple. The concept is simple. <laughs> yeah. Right. And when you're running a business, and when you're running a preschool, as you know, running a school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have that responsibility of a philosophy mm-hmm. um, and attitudes 
for the children. So it ripples yes. down from yes, the absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not that it's hierarchical, but it does no, ripple down no. from yeah. your attitude to the teachers, then to the children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But everyone, every teacher's experience in life is so different. Yeah. So how do you manage that? Right? Unless you yeah. heal everybody and you try to <laughs> right <laughs> conscious parenting and conscious living on everybody. Right, right. Um, okay, so what's so cool about your story is I, I think we've had I I did you were the first I just remembered this you were the first person I was going to say this when we were before we hit record but I'll say it now you were the first person when I had my intuitive call just to like start doing recordings and it's such a great story because I was working on starting a podcast and it took me a year to do the like packaged podcast. And I hired a coach, this really cool guy named Paul Stennett. He's in Jamaica, but he works with all the clients in the U S. So if you want to live in a really cool place and have all your clients in U S and Canada, you can follow Paul and his wife because they have shown us how to do this. They're they're actually Jamaican, but like you you can go live in a cool country. And I was telling him like, "Mm, you're a good example of how you can live in a cool country. (laughs) and um, run your business from, from uh, virtually. But I was working with him and, and then I was like, oh, I just wanna start interviewing people in the Facebook group. And you were the first one, it was probably like March 15th or something. And you know, we had a great conversation. And it was so funny because I ended up interviewing like 40 people in three months. Wow. And I kept telling people, gosh, I really wanna start this podcast. And they're like, aren't you interviewing people? Like I was doing three a day sometimes. My friends are like, you're interviewing three people a day? I'm like, yeah. It was so much fun. And, and then I'm like, but I'm working on this podcast. And they're like, wait, didn't you say that you're interviewing people? I'm like, but it's not a podcast. Oh, okay. So it's like when your mind, when your intuition, when your mind catches up with your intuition. So like you decided to start a preschool because you knew that was your path. Right. The mind would be like, why would I start a preschool in like six weeks when I have another job and I'm not an expert in a preschool. And this is why when we let the mind drive the car and the fear and the ego, we don't go and start a preschool. And this conversation would be like, hey, how was your 30 years in being a lawyer? And how many heart attacks have you had? And <laughs> how gray is your hair? But instead, we're talking about- it's not a real job. Exactly. You're talking to people and having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Really, you're not, you're not suffering enough for it to be- No, why am I not suffering? Yeah, this can't be real. <laughs> so, the opposite reality is not this this is all an illusion so why don't we just have fun with the video game while we're at it (laughs) but in this in this game of life yeah and following the your intuition and not um having the conditioned beliefs that it needs to be hard life is hard that's what we've been told all our lives yes um yes it's hard and i did have many obstacles where i thought oh my god why am i doing this Mm -hmm. but it didn't stop me. I yeah. kept going. So it's not that it isn't hard, but no, it, it's, it's like a different we, kind of hard, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, we're searching for hard mm-hmm. because that makes it real. That makes it yeah. a real job. Because right. I mean, when you think back at school mm-hmm. and again, we're conditioned to homework, work, mm-hmm. it's hard, get through yep. it, do, do, do. So the enjoyment is sucked out of it. So then mm-hmm. of course our jobs, have to be something where the enjoyment is sucked out of. Of course, yeah. We wouldn't be able to have fun. Right, right. That's not real life. You'd feel guilty for actually having fun. Yes, yes. And then your story about finding the book. I had a book in 2004 
by Martha Beck called Find Your Own North Star. And I had a similar experience in that I basically found the book. I was, I was okay, this is, we didn't know this parallel path. We we're finding this out. If we did, I already forgot. But I was, my wife was in, we were living in the Bay Area. We met in college at UC Berkeley. And my wife was living, I was going to grad school in Washington, D.C. And I wanted to move to Washington, D.C. to go into politics. So I was like, oh, this is wonderful. So she goes to grad school. And then I'm like, actually, I want to be a lawyer. And so I decided to become a lawyer. And while she was like waiting to go to grad school, I, I did all the applications, I got everything ready to go. And then I took the LSATs and I got in the 14th, I scored in the 14th percentile on the actual real thing. The, the week before I was in like the 85th, but something happened to me in the moment. Uh, the universe was like, we're not letting you do this, buddy. You're going to totally bomb the LSAT so that you can't go forward. But then I was like, well, I'm going to go to DC and like retake it and figure out and then I started temping in like small firms, big firms, like, you know, advocacy nonprofits. And I was like, uh, you can't see my face if you're listening, but my face is like, what is going on here? <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> and, and so then I found that book, Finding Your Own North Star. And I actually read the whole thing and like a borders in the corner of 17th and L in Washington, DC, back when they had those borders. And I read the whole thing cover to cover. I'm like, eight hours until the, until they kicked me out. And I read the whole entire book and it was basically saying like, find your North star and go, go for it. And so that day I decided I'd be a teacher right. and everyone's like, how could you have a job two blocks from the white house where the president has an account at a bank? Cause at that point I actually had a really good job. And like, you're going to leave Washington DC to go work in Oakland and have a salary of $32,000 a year. Like this just makes no sense at all. Like, why would you start a preschool and you had a law degree and you would pass the bar? Yeah. That's insanity. And I was making no money <laughs> in the preschool. Yeah, yeah, right. It's yeah. not profitable. Yes. At least I was making 32,000. What were you doing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was negative 32,000. <laughs> right. So what kept you going? Like what kept you um, from not kind of buying into that conditioning and being like, wait, I should just go find an, you know, like I should, you know, what, what just kept you from not, like, why didn't, why did you keep going? I was so curious. To this day, 13 years, I don't think I've ever thought, okay, I need to stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it is. It's just, actually, no, I will tell you what it is. Um, yeah. It is that I am constantly learning. It never yes. stays the same when you own mm. your business. Yes. But in leadership, you learn so much about yourself. Yes. Right? Like, yes. why am I so triggered by that employee not following what I'm asking them to do? Right. Um, why is it that I have a hard time imposing this boundary? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, why is it that I'm procrastinating on sending these newsletters? I know. It could be so many <laughs> right. things. Yep. But it's a whole learning curve on how you deal with people and it never got boring. And one day was never mm. the same as the right. next. And as 2020 will show you, mm -hmm. it, it, this year has been completely different and a completely different experience in teaching, teaching and having a preschool yeah. amongst, amidst the uh, pandemic. So yeah. it never got boring. Mm. It, and it was a, to me, in a way, to keep that alive and keep the learning. Right. Yes. But 
you see how that trajectory had changed from mm -hmm. owning the preschool. Mm -hmm. I was in it for nine years. Mm -hmm. Then I handed over to someone I completely trusted as the yeah. director. I promoted when did you do that? I did that uh, four years ago, I think it was. Okay. Okay. Four years ago, but I waited until I knew that this person, I had the right person to direct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that my energy was going elsewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, watching your yourself and how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. And listening mm -hmm. to the intuition. So I appointed her. She moved back to Ohio. So then I had hired someone else, mm -hmm. um, which didn't work out. So I went back oh, in okay. being director again which was so great. And mm. I did not look back again. I enjoyed mm. being there. I was like, oh my gosh, I missed this. I missed being ah, okay. Yeah, it was, everything was joyful for me. Mm -hmm. you know, and I say that looking at the majority of my time, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's this feeling from your gut that you just don't question. Yes. And being back, building the relationships with the teachers again, just, having connection with the teachers mm -hmm. but this time I was coming back with a consciousness yes that I hadn't had before <laughs> so I came back mm -hmm. and I started wanting to change things around <laughs> yep which was again another a challenge yep because my philosophy has now changed and bec mm -hmm. I've become this conscious parent and now I want to see more connection. Right. I want to see adults heal before we teach yes. children. Yeah. Um, and I'm seeing that all these boundaries, all these rules, all these militant ways that schools have, mm -hmm. um, bells like Pavlov dog, mm -hmm. we don't need to have these. So I was becoming, I was bringing a different touch to the school. Um, and then at, at that point, again, I brought it, to a certain point where I felt now I'm comfortable again mm -hmm. to call in another director. And David, that day I sat down, I put an ad out. It was exactly this time last year and we were in winter break and mm -hmm. I hadn't that so many resumes came through indeed.com and you can hundreds. Oh, I've done that before. It's really overwhelming on the other end. Yeah. So overwhelming. And so you've got, um, my ad was for a preschool director, but I've had, I have Rite Aid managers applying for jobs. So, you know, I stopped looking at resumes. Yeah. So for months, I just didn't look. One day I was sitting in my chair and I was just scrolling through my emails. I was like, oh, let me open this one. Oh my goodness. She is the one I hired. Mm -hmm. We connected. Mm -hmm. I met her over the break, hired her in, in February. I'm going to tell you a really interesting story. At the interview, after the mm -hmm. interview, she, we were at the door and I was saying goodbye. And she said, oh my gosh, Danuka, one minute. I have to give you something. I got you something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And so she pulls out three rocks. I think they might even be here. Like, I can't remember, but I have them. But three rocks. Okay. And if you know me, I love rocks. Oh, wow. I have rocks all over my house because I love them. I love them so much. My dog has this energy of loving my rocks that she comes and sleeps <laughs> back with my dog. Um, but, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, so that in itself spoke to me and I have no idea. And I asked her, I said, why did you do that? 
how did you know I like rocks? She said, I don't know. I love rocks and I just thought I would give you rocks. I don't know. I left the house and this is what came to me. And so those kind of signs, when you mm-hmm. see them and connect them, like on a normal day, I may not have, no. I would have gone, okay, nuts, crazy. <laughs> right, bringing rocks to an interview. <laughs> rock, right? <laughs> but it meant so much and that connection was made. And I think that was the sign and the mm-hmm. binding force that, again, I haven't looked back. And she's been an absolute gem. So when we talk about being in alignment with ourselves, mm-hmm. when we are in alignment with ourselves, everything that is in alignment with you falls into place. Yes. People who come yes. into your life are then in alignment. Yes. You look for her. No. It was and one- you had thousands of resumes, right? But this is the one that you looked at. Yeah. The only resume I looked at. Okay. So you realize that you are really, I want to highlight two like really beautiful spiritual teachings that you just shared through your experience. So number one is when we're running our inner Sangha series right now with uh, a small group of 13 people. And it's like a, not a mastermind, but a master heart, you know, like a small group of entrepreneurs and healers and leaders that are doing all these cool things. And we asked them in the second week, we just got the intuition, asked them, what is it that you want to let go of? This was like probably early October with like, I think there was a new moon or something. Everyone's like letting go of stuff. So we just asked them like, what do you want to let go of? And we told them, let go of it for like two weeks and then come back to it and see if you still want to have it in your life. And this is how I actually stopped drinking alcohol. Not this time, but last time. And I did it by accident in that I was like going through all this spiritual stuff and I was really feeling like getting into better physical shape and, you know, eating healthier. And I was like, why am I drinking? Like, I'm not even really that into it anymore, but I just do it for social reasons or whatever, or cause I did it every day when I got home at, you know, five o'clock after a long day. So I was like, let's watch that consciously. So I just stopped drinking for like, I thought it was gonna be a week. And the next thing I know it'd been like a year and a half. And then people are like, why don't you? And then I started noticing that when I'd go to a conference or go see friends, especially with men, you know, hanging out with men, like, oh, there's Joseph beer. And I'd be like, and I, I I'm British. So I, I was a drinker. Okay. So like, this is a big identity for me. It wasn't just like, I didn't drink before. No, I used to drink a lot. Like my parents were worried about me in my (laughs) twenties, like way too much. And so people would be like, who are you? Like what happened to the guy that was like pounding back beers, you know? And I'm like, I just not interested anymore. And then a year ago, so I haven't had a drink. I had, I had one drink in two and a half years. A year ago, our friends were coming for Thanksgiving. And I was like, how do I not have a drink during Thanksgiving? Like, it just doesn't feel right. So I was like, oh, I think I'll have a drink. So I had like one anchor scene while they were having wine or drinking or something, one beer. And I literally was like, when you were like, have your first drink when you're, we'll say when you're 21 in case there's, you know, I know some of my younger friends are listening, but you know, when you're probably 15 and you steal your your parents' alcohol, like you remember, you kind of feel dizzy and you pass out when you're like, just, you're like this and you're going to throw up, feel terrible. So I, (laughs) you have no idea. (laughs) So I literally felt that way. I'm sitting with our friends during Thanksgiving and I'm like, I'm ready to pass out from like half a beer. And then I finished the beer because I'm like, let's see what it's like. And the next morning I had a splitting headache. I couldn't do my exercise. All I wanted to do was eat like fried food. And I'm like, I don't need this anymore. So anyway, so your, your story about the preschool, I thought you were going to share the most recent departure or uh, hiring a director because we had talked about that because I was sharing that I wanted to pass my charter school on to the principal and make her executive director and you we probably only talked on the phone like three or four times and that was one of our conversations I don't know what we were talking about but then you were sharing like 
I'm ready to kind of release that attachment of the preschool. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready too. Cause I know there's an expansion coming, but the fact that you left and came back and then you saw it through a conscious lens, like that's a real big spiritual teaching. And I just had my coaching call with my coach that I've worked with for five years. She's a Martha Beck coach. And that was her advice to me. She's like, you're feeling um, this thing around rejection or something. And, or she was saying that I, I was creating a story around um, attracting or rejecting certain types of people. And she's like, what if you just let go of that for like a couple weeks? The story of like attraction and rejection. And I was like, that's the spiritual concept. Like that's the teaching. You let go of it. You come back to it with a conscious lens and you see if you are interested in people in our group, they've quit coffee, they've quit drinking, they stopped the whatever pattern of codependency. And they're like, we're just not interested anymore. <laughs> like we're not interested. Like it's a totally different lens. Yeah. And, you know, when I, um, when I went back, I had kind of given up on finding somebody because I was really happy in my role. Yeah. I was so happy to be back yeah. and be around people and be around adults and children um, and practice what I had been doing. So I wasn't consciously, I wasn't putting all of my effort right. into it. it. It's kind of, I think the word has to be surrender. Yes surrender let it go yes 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 that's that's it and the other really beautiful spiritual concept spiritual teaching that you shared is when you really are doing the work and I want to hear about like what you've done over the years like you know how you've gotten to this point in your life because I feel like when you reach a certain point um, on your spiritual journey that you start attracting in everything's a mirror so you're going to attract whatever pattern you need to work on right in front of you <laughs> so like i when i first hired people at my school it was like codependent <laughs> it was codependent central <laughs> like everybody that worked there was like he's gonna save me and it was just like all this all this pattern of me trying to save everybody and be the social worker for everybody and then all the teachers were embodying that and i was like oh gosh this is not the school i want to run because the teachers aren't empowered and they're constantly, you know, and so it was like so clear. And then we had to go through this whole really um, painful process of nobody, nobody was like actually fired. They, they quit because we started setting really clear boundaries. Like Shafali says, you look at what you've co-created and then you start saying no and setting boundaries. And then people start acting like five girls. And so that's what happened. And it was really painful. It was like most painful six months of my professional life. It was like all these excited people that had joined a new school. And then I was like, Hey, um, you can't do that anymore. Right. And they're like, what? And then they all quit. And, um, but what you're sharing is when you can really, um, when you're really doing the work, then somebody like this director that you, when you told me on the phone and I felt your energy, you said, I'm ready to expand in some ways, shape or form. You're like, something's coming my way. And I know that I, right now, the day-to-day -day of the preschool is holding me back. And it's, and this is not going to be a, I want to get rid of this. I'm so, it was just, I know that it's time for me to let go of something with the preschool and, and pass it on. And then I know there's so many more things opening up for me. And both of us, we had that call, but it was probably like, I don't know, more than a year ago. Well, you did it a year ago. So it was, yeah. Because this was like, when I found her. A year ago. Yeah. I yeah, it was more than a year. It was after an evolve, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, we talked shortly after Evolve, because I had seen you at Evolve. Both times we had a 
fortuitous encounter. Like we just ran into each other. The first time you almost literally ran me over in your car when I was out of the hotel. She almost killed me for the record. Is this recording? She almost killed me. Yeah, and that's, the second that's, time. that's the road. I mean, my head comes up to the road. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second time you were in front of me in line on the first <laughs> time. I'm like, what? And then I said your name, Dinica, because somebody that won't be named would, was pronouncing your name in a course that we were in. Dinica. So then I was like, I don't want to say her name wrong. That's another theme, me saying your name wrong. <laughs> and I said, is it Dinica or Danuka? Because our very conscious friend that you're taking a course with is calling you Dinica. And you're like, no, God bless her. It's not. It's Danuka. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's opened up? So I have two, two curiosities. Number one, like, I know it's hard to say what work you've done, but I'd just be curious to hear about like the journey you've gotten to a place where you can just you know, basically look at one resume and it's the exact person that's going to bring you a rock that you, you know, like that's just the universe working for you. And then also, um, well, let's just do that one. We'll do that one. Like what, what is it that, you know? Um, I really think it's not having an expectation of anything. Mm -hmm. So, which also means then that you don't have a fear of getting it wrong. Right. Right. Because then you, put so much effort into follow your intuition. Okay, Danuka, now follow your intuition. <laughs> so much so that you put this expectation that, right. okay, the next one I open has to be right, which means that when you do get it wrong, then you're suffering because you've right. set the expectation of having to get it right. Yes. So if you surrender, like I said, yes. then you surrender to also being perfect. Yes. And before that, I had made a hire that wasn't right but I didn't kick mm -hmm. myself about it. It was just yeah. the right thing. And I had to learn that to yeah. know then what was the right fit. Exactly. So no fear of getting mm -hmm. it wrong. Yes. Is I think the trick. So you've learned how to surrender. You've learned how to do the work like on a regular basis. I know you do. Because I've been in the courses with you, so I know you're doing it, yeah. Right, and I mean, it really gives me peace to be mm -hmm. able to be in the now and come back to the now. And sometimes it teachers would say, okay, Danuka, what do you think about this? Can we, um, can we do this? Or they'll come up with something. And rather than giving an immediate answer, if it doesn't, it's not sitting quite, it's, you know, a harder decision that I have to make, mm -hmm. then also give me a minute. I need to go and meditate on this. So they're yeah. all thinking, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I really do. <laughs> I go and I, I sit at home and I just sit with it in yeah. silence without. So the thoughts are going, they're going yeah. back and forth. Yeah. And thinking, oh, this one. But I can see that, oh, that's my conditioned self. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's mm -hmm. the past. This is the future. This is, I'm watching those, but then I'm coming back to the now. What is it that I need to do now? Yes. And how am I feeling in my body now? Yep. Does it make me feel expansive? Does it make me feel contracted? How does it feel? Yes, yes. When I pay attention to that, mm -hmm. the answer is there. And sometimes it can be five minutes. Sometimes it can be five hours. I don't know. Exactly. Um, that's this is what we, yes. No, this is what we've been talking about every day in our inner sangha. It, through the Voxer conversation and the telegram and the weekly time when we get together, it's like, how do we get back to the now? <laughs> we get back to the present moment and whatever is distracting you from the present moment, then how do we help you just 
stop that pattern or stop that, you know, look, what's what, if you're, if you're in the now moment, the guidance is going to come and it's going to say, go do an inner child healing, go talk to that person, go meditate here, go to the mountain. It's just going to tell you, but until you get into the present moment, you're not going to have the clarity. And so we feel like we're repeating ourselves over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Or like, it's not that complicated. It's actually that simple. Like you were saying earlier about the connection, the concept is simple. Doing it is the hard part, the application, the embodiment, right? Yes. Is the embodiment, is the doing. It's sort yeah. of like, um, you know, the, the parent who's watching their child in, on a soccer field mm-hmm. and yelling from the sidelines, run, kick the ball, like shouting at the kid because it looks <laughs> yes. so much easier from the sidelines, but this parent has never played soccer in their life, right? So <laughs> until they get on the field and do it, then they see how difficult it is. So that's what needs to happen in consciousness. Yeah. And this is why I think a lot of people can sometimes shy away because you actually have to do the work. And what we yes. say, I'm a terrible salesperson because I say to them, you know what, this is painful. It'd be treacherous. <laughs> it's awful. You yes. have to unlayer and you sit with the pain. I'm thinking, who the hell wants to pay me money to do this, right? Like, yes. Yeah. But it is worth it at the end of it. You come out of it with so much clarity. Yes. And one of the things, David, that I learned for myself mm-hmm. was that I got better at imposing boundaries for myself. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was the people pleaser. I had to Me too. <laughs> if the, the teacher wasn't happy, the child wasn't happy, the parent wasn't happy. It, it, I had to please every single person. No, this was my codependent central that I created. So yeah, we're in the same place. Same yeah. page. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to it with clarity, with the boundaries, like you said, and yeah. then people will fall off little by little. But that's okay, because you're finding the right people. And that's and to, yeah. in our lives yeah. and consciousness now. Yeah. You notice that, yeah, not every friend is in alignment with you and they no. may be your cuckoo and that's okay. Because yeah, you- and you can love them from far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so here's the other thing. I have seen your transformation. I've witnessed it over, I mean, I've known you for a few years because we did our course together a few years ago, but I didn't really know you that well. And then um, I want to share how I always use you as an example, as someone who I think is really like living authentically through their business. And, and then I think through that, I want to hear like what's opened up for you since you took the step to say like, this is my baby. This is my preschool. Like, this is a thing that I followed the intuition. Like, this is not, this was born out of essence, like my school. It's not like you just, you know, so it wasn't your nine to five job that you just did because you wanted the paycheck. So to, to step away from that is a courageous choice. Like in my men's group, there's men that are leaving marriages and in our other group, there's people that are, you know, leaving jobs and they're making these courageous choices. And then start to open up so all the treacherous pain that you go through I'm like now let's look what's happening to her it is worth it I'm seeing your transformation so the story I want to share is I saw you start your Facebook group yes and I watched the energy because that's all I do now I don't even know if I watched you talk for more than a minute don't tell Danuka but I don't think I watched (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't need to because I just would open it up and I'd look at it and I'm like, whoa, okay, she's on fire. And I'm like, and I told myself I'd go back, but I was like, but I read the energy right away. I'm like, she is on fire. And then I saw you went from like 20 to hundred and whatever in your group in like a day or two. And I'm like, that is how you do it because that's authenticity and people are attracted to the real person. And, they're, and in 2020, 2021, no one wants the formulas and the old stuff and the 
you do this and you say this and you none of that stuff works anymore. It's just not going to work. They want authenticity. They want you to be real. So how did you just, how did you have the courage and the confidence and just to show up on the Facebook lives and be like, you were amazing. I'm not just, I don't blow smoke. I don't even do ego anymore. So I'm not blowing smoke. You were amazing. I'm like, she's on fire. Everything she's learned is coming through her. She is floating in that room. You know, going live and being in front of a camera was my biggest fear. It was the last thing I would ever, ever have done. Mm -hmm. And so I was put up to the challenge where I would do Facebook lives for seven days in a group. So it was private. You can even create your own fake group. Don't tell Mm -hmm. Facebook. I don't know whether you're allowed to. And you just go on and start talking, right? Talk about mm-hmm. anything. It's okay. Yes. And so facing the fear. I think that's yes. what, what the trick yes. was. Yes. But David, now I can't go back. I love them so much <laughs> because I realized that I can just yeah. speak and I didn't know yes. that I could. Right. I had no idea I had it in me. Yeah. to speak, to have any wisdom, to be honest, and and talk about anything that anyone would be interested in. And the reason I do it live, not pre-recorded, is because if I did it pre-recorded, my ego and my vanity would yes. take over. Yes, and you might and, never actually publish it or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's good right there too. Okay. So um, doing the lives, I show up authentically. I don't mm-hmm. prepare. I don't have notes. I can tell. That's I know all of these things. I keep yes, talking. right? Because I can tell. But I think what's really important is having the silence and the time yes. to be with yourself. Yes. Um, yes. Because a lot of the time, and I was just telling Dr. Shafali this the other day, and she told me to work on it. <laughs> but <laughs> it was the fact that I constantly want wisdom teaching. I want to hear everybody. I want to learn from everybody all the time. Yes. So therefore, I'm not giving myself ever any time for my own thoughts because yes. it's not like I'm repeating what they're saying. I'm actually living it. Yeah. And so I've got Kyle Seuss. I've got Kale North, <laughs> Northrop. I've got Dr. Shafali, um, the yes. Dalai Lama, like many <laughs> different people that I follow. Yes. No, those are beautiful names. Wow. Right. And then when you embody it, it's your own experience. Mm-hmm. So what comes exactly. out of my mouth is truly my own experience. Yes. I'm not really repeating what they're saying because I've got a combination of exactly. it. Exactly. And the embodiment of it, like me being on the soccer field, is what's happening, right? Yes. That's how it shows up. But you have to allow yourself, and especially as women, Mm -hmm. we don't give ourselves and honor the fertile void, as Kate Northrup Mm. would call it, um, to just sit in it. Mm. And Kyle Cease will say, one hour a day. Do it for 21 days, 30 days one hour a day, force yourself to sit there in meditation in silence Mm -hmm. and things will just align. They do. They do. You and I are here to say that that's absolute truth. And, you know, I love that story on so many levels because I also have a massive fear of public speaking and everyone's like, oh, what? You're a white guy. Don't you just talk whenever you want? I'm like, well, I'm a white guy, but I'm like, uh, you know, I wasn't really, I had a lot of trauma. So <laughs> I wasn't able to really grow into this white guy domination thing until I got a little bit older, you know, but, <laughs> but no, so like I have this massive fear of um, public speaking. And so I just started doing lives on my Facebook page mm. anything, and it was like so terrifying and people wouldn't show up. Like no one would ever come. 
And I remember my friend saying like, you know what? It doesn't really matter. Because right. are you in love with the process right now? Like, are you in love with the fact that your intuition is telling you to go on and do a live? Because I would just follow the guidance. If the guidance told me, go do a live in the group, I would just do it. And um, it would come in a meditation and be like, say these four things. And I'd always be terrified. Like I had to do it within a minute after the meditation, because if I waited like your story about, if I waited 10 minutes, I wouldn't do it. And so I would just, I would just go on and it was so terrifying. And then people always say, well, I can't believe you were ever scared of public speaking. So when you said doing a live was your biggest fear, I'm like, really? Because when I witnessed your energy, you were on fire and you were attracting people so quickly. But what you're saying is you're really spending the time to, um, to really be in the stillness, to follow your process, your truth. And you probably weren't totally obsessed with when I go live, I want to see a bunch of people saying that I'm amazing. And I want 10 people to sign up for my program right away. Like you probably weren't obsessed with the outcomes. You just wanted to do it. Right. And I'll tell you, honestly, when I did that five day free workshop, Uh I went on not expecting to make any sales. I wasn't prepared for it to be. Oh, you weren't even ready. (laughs) I wasn't even ready. I was doing it because I wanted to test myself. Yeah, it was just like the process, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, the process. And because there's so many logistics, right, behind oh my gosh, landing so pages, registration pages, sales pages. That's me crazy. All of that stuff, <laughs> algorithms. Yes. Yes. Things I didn't know about, which is why I had to test it and do mm-hmm. the live yeah. to see whether I could get it all together, just formulate mm-hmm. and become mm-hmm. familiar with running a five-day workshop. Yeah. Little did I think about the sale at the end of it. And at the end of it, I ended up with two clients and I didn't expect that. So (laughs) yeah, it was kind of letting go of the outcome. But that's also, again, a lesson in consciousness is you accept the as is, which means that you detach from any outcome. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you, you, you decided to, so you went back to giving the preschool, you had a director. So now you're doing these cool things. So you're a conscious parent coach. You are running programs, sounds like. You can yes. tell us a little bit about the program you're, you're about to launch. This is a great opportunity to share with us. Thank you. Um, so it's a three-month program where I basically handhold the client because transformation mm-hmm. is hard. Like I said, this yeah. is a terrible sales pitch, but you will go through pain. <laughs> you will go through pain, but the transformation happens. And this happens because we do need to change the generations to come. And the generations Mm -hmm. to come can only be healed when we have been healed. And, you know, a lot of us think I had a great childhood. I I really did. I honestly can tell you I had a great childhood. Yet, there are so many little nuances that we don't realize where trauma is attached. Right. One tiny little comment that a friend said to you when you were in school, Oh, the other thing that Dr. Shafali had to go at me about was the... <laughs> do you see her? Do you do, you do sessions with her? What is she doing this? To our alumni group. Oh, the country. I was like, I was like, wow, you're in there. You're in it with her. Right. Right. And I obviously keep raising my hand, which is silly of me, because then I keep getting picked on. No, she doesn't. It's just, I keep asking for help because I'm showing up because I really genuinely need the help. Yeah, of course, of course. But I said, you know, I feel annoying. Sometimes I feel like mm. I am being a nuisance to people when I'm yeah. standing. And she said, well, you need to go figure out where that comes from. And, you know, yeah. And so I did. And I realized that, oh, my gosh, this was when we were playing a game and we Mm -hmm. were in the 
in the closet and no one wanted to be on my team. No one wanted me right. on the team. Right. No, it's real. So yeah. It can be tiny little things like that yeah. that can actually create trauma that we don't realize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this adult belief system. Exactly. Um, so for anyone who thinks that my childhood was great, I don't need any coaching, you may show up differently for your children because of that. Yeah. Right? Um, or in your job or in other relationships, Mm -hmm, you may mm -hmm. react differently. So anyway, that program is a three month, 12 weeks of intense work um, Mm -hmm. that we will, I'll do meditations, journals, uh, journal entries, lots of exercises to really Mm -hmm. break it down and deconstruct, learn how to deconstruct because once you've learned it, Mm -hmm. there's no one doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like, you know, the consciousness, once you become conscious, you can't undo it. You can't undo it. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I agree with that. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Oh, can't be your friend anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you start losing friends. But yes. um, that's the, the three-month program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm doing another workshop called, um, it's a webinar, one-day event, mm-hmm. um, one-hour event, actually, maybe two. Um, on the 21st of January, and that is called Building an Anti-Racist Generation. Mm. And this is huge for me, having a preschool, yeah. having children whose mindsets are formulating, yes. um, mm-hmm. and again, behaviors, belief systems are formulating. It's really important that we bring this to light mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. actually do the anti part of it. Yes. Um, in the anti-biases. So yeah. that's my, my next... Um, that is so critical. And I know you're in Long Beach, so that's a beautiful place to be doing that type of work. And, and it, but it's a virtual, it's a virtual event, I'm assuming. Yes. I mean, what is. is it? That was a stupid question. What is it virtual anymore? <laughs> okay. And so one of the things I wanted to share that I thought was really cool. So we'll put that in the show notes about um, the anti-racist workshop and also where people can find you if they want to do conscious parenting coaching and then um, anything about your program, we can put that all in there. Um, because I want, I want to, I only actually really want to share people's work that I really believe in. Like, that's all I'm going to do. I can't do this fake thing. Like you're not going to be on the podcast if I don't believe in your work. Cause then I have to share it. So I really believe in your work because I can see your energy. I know you've done the work. And one of the things I said to you before we started recording is that I can see your confidence is a little bit different than some other people that maybe are jumping out into like coaching and life coaching and entrepreneurialism because you did run the preschool mm. because I can see that like, you've run the business before because what I'm seeing with a lot of people is that they're nervous about so when you said about you know being a nuisance or annoying with yeah. people when we were trying to get our programs together I say we because Stacey uh, Lou and Sana are doing two programs but it's like you feel like you're being pesky mm. but what I realized is if I just if I followed intuitive guidance then I didn't, then I wouldn't let my mind convince me that I was being pesky. Like I would just, because it's like, oh, energetically, I think I should reach out to that person. Energetically, I should reach out to that person. And then immediately I let go of any outcome or attachment to them saying, yes, no, throwing, you know, a tomato in my face or saying, why would you ever charge that? Like the mind will come up with, oh, a lot of stories. Like, well, who are you to think you can do that? And why do you, oh, and blah, blah. And like, and so I just let all that go. And then what I see is like, I know that the, like the way you find the, found the director and the way that I found my principal, the right people are going to come exactly in. And with our group in the inner Sangha, it could not be any more perfectly guided, the exact right people, exact right moment. And, but we did have to do a lot of, we had to take a lot of action. 
as I'm sure you will to fill your program and to get your clients. You can't just sit back and like wait for, you know, God and the universe just to hand you. Absolutely. It's you not like do it, right? and, calm and then it's there. No, yeah. it doesn't fall in the lap. It does take work, but the mm-hmm. work is so authentic that it yeah. doesn't feel so grueling. You, you mm-hmm. come across triggers, you come across fears, yeah. the lives. Oh my gosh, the technology part of it, oh. totally overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming, it's a lot. But that made me do deeper work on me. Exactly. Right? And so every obstacle that I am faced with, I end up doing breath work. I end up doing more meditations. I do sound bath meditations and my self-care is so on, on top with my energy. Yeah. So I make sure that those things are set Mm -hmm. in order to be able to expand. And I know that the expansion will come with some pain again. Right. So being prepared for it and balancing that out. But I yeah. also noticed that the more I'm expanding, the more I'm taking care of myself. I've been yeah. eating healthy. I've been, yes. I, you know, yes. been exercising more. You, it, it's sort of like, oh, losing weight. Mm-hmm. You want to lose weight so it will make you feel good. Mm-hmm. But you can't lose weight until you feel good. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It kind yes. of double whammy. So. Yes you do have to feel good about yourself to want to lose weight and mm-hmm. work out. So that's where I am. The expansion has really helped with feeling good. Yeah. And what you're describing is like every obstacle quote unquote is just the universe pointing you in the exact direction of what you need to work on next. Absolutely. And so as you go through your conscious journey, this podcast is called a conscious way forward. And that of course came to me intuitively because I don't know how to do anything else anymore without following intuition, like titles, programs, everything's just what, what intuition tells me, but it's about this year of 2020 being so, and, and by the way, this is coming out on December 30th. So I told Danuka that no pressure. She's going to be the last guest in 2020. So it's like, just summarize the whole year. It hasn't been, it's just like another year, right? Like what's the big deal. And she said that would be fine. She's no, just, no pressure. She's going to do that for the last 32 seconds. It's not going to be a problem at all. Come on with a clown outfit. You know? Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> as a clown. But yeah, so basically this year is really about we have to move forward consciously and it's really, it's happening. And so to have people like you doing the work and to show us what it looks like to say, like I actually still, my mind is blown by the fact that you were scared of doing Facebook Lives. Because all I do is see people in the highest light. So I'm like, well, Danuka could be like, you know, doing a presentation to the whole world. Like I see her in this high light. So I'm like, you're scared. <laughs> She's like, no. so you're scared of Facebook lives. I can't even believe it. You know, it's just like, wow. And, but anyway, but I love that you're so honest and vulnerable and you're like, yeah, I was. And, yeah. And uh, I love your conscious way forward, David, because I remember um, um, when I, I did, when I was, 16, 17, I did the base camp of Mount Everest. And Ooh. it was amazing, the most amazing experience. But of course, at the time, I thought, why the hell did I spend all this money to do this and suffer and, you know, have to <laughs> go to the toilet in a hole on the side? Of the yes. All of those things. And it was treacherous. Yeah. I mean, I say it was treacherous, but we had Sherpas carrying our bags. So it was right, really, right. I mean, it was hard, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember them saying one foot ahead of the other Mm -hmm. one foot at a time that one step is getting you closer to where we need to go to the fourteen thousand feet yes so that's it that's life that is life and this is if you just 
one foot mm -hmm. at a time. That's it. Chop wood and carry water. That's the Buddhist concept, right? You're just literally chopping wood and carrying water every day. It's just like doing it really with a lot of presence, a lot of awareness. And next thing you know, you're at the top of Mount Everest. Right, right. There right. you go. See, so you did, you nailed this. You did really well for the, for the last interview of 2020. I think we'll even publish it. I think we'll even, I think we will. I don't know. I, I might change my mind if I wait too long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. This yeah. is when the, I have laughed the most in this one. So clearly um, I, when I was younger, I really wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So you might bring out, you're bringing out the stand-up comedian in David, because I, I am laughing a lot in this one. Okay. But so. I, it's mutual for me as well. I feel so free with you that I can just, yeah. Flow. I flow. Yes. It's just flow. It's, it's just effortless. Flow. It is. It is. Yeah. And I'm still tapping to Nuka and being, not still, but a while back, I was like, intuition told me I'm supposed to do something with you. And I had an idea of different things that didn't come, come together. But when you're really tapping into your intuition, it's working in non-linear time. Yes. So Danuka and I were like, oh, I thought I was supposed to do it with her six months ago, but it could be six years or six minutes from now. I don't know. Yeah. But we're both just really open to whatever the project's going to be. So be on the lookout because at some point in six minutes or six years from now, Tanika and I are doing something together. Right. And it's not my fault if you have to wait six years. Sorry. I, guess I can't <laughs> give you the actual date. <laughs> All right. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up the last podcast of 2020? No pressure. If it's not like going to change the whole world in 32 seconds, I'll just delete it. But <laughs> no, no, just kidding. What would you like to share for your last? I'd like to share. I think the, the two things. Yeah. That the... Only certainty is uncertainty. Yes. And to really be in the now. Mm. Come back to the now, always. Yes. Your breath is always with you and that is always mm. in the now. Yes. And yeah, that's my advice. That is really concise. And whenever we do our messages back and forth audio on Facebook, I always use the whole minute and she comes back in like 12 seconds. So. Thank you for that. This could have been a, this could have been the whole interview. She's just saying what you just said. So for someone who just said they don't see themselves as being very wise, you just proved yourself wrong. <laughs> you are very wise and you can do it. And my friend who's a math teacher would always get annoyed at the English teachers and say, the, the word to meaning ratio with those English teachers is just pathetic. Like the dog is blue and it took them 482 words to say that. I could have just said it. <laughs> So I admire you for your um, concise use of words. And it's been a pleasure having you. I know people will love this uh, conversation. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, David. This is always Absolutely. so much fun. Awesome. So much fun. So much fun.